Good morning. I am so excited to be here. My name is Kyle Cox. I uh, am an intern at Grace Bible Church. I graduated A&M 2013. Anyone? Yeah, yeah, there's some. Um, been an intern for the last year, and I'm about to enter my second year. So congratulations. Today marks my second year of interning. Y'all are a part of the beginning of history in my life. So good job. I'm really excited to be here. Let's go ahead and pray one more time before we jump into the scripture. Lord, we, we praise you for who you are. Um, God, we, we ask that what we just sang, that your Holy Spirit um, would be in here right now, God, moving through us, Lord. Um, God, I pray that your Holy Spirit would speak through me. And Father, we, we just ask that we would come to know you more and more. You are so good, God. You are so loving. We praise you for who you are, and it's in your son's precious name by which we are only saved, um, through Jesus. Amen. So a couple years ago, I graduated with, uh, with a good group of friends. There was like five of us, and we're the core group. Um, we're actually not. We haven't seen each other in three years. But for the first two years of college, we were this core group of friends, and we were like, hey, we need to go camping every year after we graduate. And we, we haven't stuck with that. We went once, and that's the end of the story. So we go camping, and around this time, we're freshmen in college, and we're really excited, and it's man time. And man time, the men know it's sacred. You know, you, you, don't, you don't ruin man time by bringing trivial things like girls involved into man time. Am I right? Yeah, yeah I'm right. And so one of my dear high school buddies, he, around this time, about a week prior to this, gets what we call a girlfriend. And so at this time, we're all like, whoa, okay, it's cool, man, that you're dating this girl right before our man trip. You know, just... You know, just keep it, keep it cool. And so that's the exact opposite of what he did. And so what he started doing was talking about this girl so much that I eventually called her the K-factor. And the reason I called her the K-factor is because we, he would factor in this girl in every single thing that we talked about. Everything. In our man time. How dare he, am I right? And so every single thing, we could be talking about going out to eat or seeing a movie, and he'd just be like, ah, oh, the K-Factor. I don't know why we're seeing a movie on a camping trip, but we are. And he'd be like, oh, the K-Factor just loves this type of movie or loves this food. And we're like, well, you've known her for only a week, so you really don't know that. And he'd be like, oh, she loves this type of music. And everything he would do, he would bring in the K-Factor. I remember one night, we were sleeping in our tent, and we're, we're back-to-back. It's really, really cold here. And so we're, we're snuggled up to each other, and he's on the phone, and he's kind of whispering. He's like, I know. I love you, too. I love you more. I love you more. You know, this is like a 19, 20-year-old man saying this. And, and then, if that's not bad enough, he starts saying, no, you hang up first. No, you hang up first. No, you hang up first. I'm like, just hang up the phone, man. I'm going crazy here. And so, eventually hangs up the phone, and he just talks about her. He was her life. They're married now, so I guess it worked out. And she was just everything to him. People talk about what they're passionate about. If you were to ask Mike Tyson, what are you passionate about? Yes, you'd be right, probably saying boxing or whatever he does. I'm not exactly sure. But he would also say pigeons. There it is. Mike Tyson pigeons. He has so many pictures of pigeons. You can YouTube a video and he talks about how their eloquence is like the purity of the world or some, something like that. I don't know. But he has so many pictures of pigeons. Pigeon? 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 Keep it going. Let's get through those pigeons. Pigeon? 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 I think that's the last one. Okay. Pigeons. He is passionate about pigeons. 
And so people, if you were to go to lunch right after this, if you were to sit down with someone, have lunch one-on-one, chances are you would figure out what they're really passionate about. If you talk with someone, if you were probably to talk with Tristan, go to lunch with Tristan, you'd probably eventually get on the subject of music because he really likes music. If you were to get lunch with me, you'd probably eventually get on the subject of Marvel movies because I, I love Marvel movies. That's just who I am. And so people always talk about what they care about and they're passionate about. And so right now, when we get into Hebrews, we're going to turn to Hebrews 8. But for a background, for the last seven chapters, we have talked here, the Hebrews author has talked about how great Jesus is. He says Jesus is better than the angels. He says Jesus is better than Moses. He says Jesus is better than Melchizedek. He says Jesus is a better priest. Jesus is better. He can't stop talking about Jesus. He's passionate about Jesus. And the people that he's talking to, his audience, are considering, they're considering saying, thinking, what was this? Is this really the person we should follow? Should, should we go back to our old ways? Should we truly follow this Jesus? And this author is saying yes, because for the last seven chapters he's saying he is so much better. I am in love with Jesus. But something happens in chapter 8. He starts to switch the subject a little bit. He doesn't just brag about Jesus, but he's going to start to talk about what Jesus has done. And what chapter 8 is going to do, it's going to lay a foundation to help us understand better what Jesus has done. And so my challenge for you as we're going through this, as we're reading through chapter 8, is to think to yourself, am I, am I passionate about Jesus? Do I have a passion for Jesus, a passion to pursue, pursue Jesus? Do I see Jesus as the most incredible thing, the most incredible person, and I just can't not tell people about him? So think about that and challenge yourself to think through that as we go through the sermon. Hebrews chapter 8. Starting in verse 1. Now the point in what we are saying is this. We have such a high priest, one who is seated at the right hand of the throne of the majesty in heaven, a minister in the holy places, in the true tents that the Lord set up, not man. For every high priest is appointed to offer gifts and sacrifices. Thus it is necessary for this priest also to have something to offer. Now if he were on earth, he would not be a priest at all, since there are priests who offer gifts according to the law. They serve just a copy and a shadow of the heavenly things. For when Moses was about to erect the tent, he was instructed by God, saying, See that you make everything according to the pattern that was shown to you on the mountain. But as it is, Christ has obtained a ministry that is much more excellent than the old, as the covenant he mediates is better, since it is enacted on better promises. For if that first covenant had been faultless, there would have been no occasion to look for the second. And we're going to stop there, and halfway through the sermon, we're going to finish that chapter. But the point of this First section is we're going to talk about the Old Covenant. And if you're anything like me, you probably at some point heard that and really don't know what that means. We, we talk about the Old Covenant. We talk about the law. Those are interchangeable. We're going to say the Old Covenant and the law. And, and we don't maybe quite understand how that has affected us now. What does that mean for us now? And so bear with me because this is roughly looking at 2,000 years of biblical and theological history that we're not even going to scratch the surface. So we're going to just get the bare minimum just to understand how the new covenant is better than the old covenant. So it's a lot of information that we're about to throw, and I'm excited to tackle it. But first, before we get into it, what happened was Moses, he freed, you know the story, he frees the people from Egypt. They're all wandering the desert. And at this point, the people are saying, Moses, we want to follow God. Show us how to follow God. Tell us what to do. We need rules. We need laws. And Moses says, okay. So Moses Goes on up to Mount Sinai. He's there for a long time. God gives him a bunch of rules to take the people. And you know, do not steal, do not cheat, do not commit adultery, 
Um, don't have false idols, and the list goes on. He goes down to the people, and what does he see? The people who are just saying, we want to follow God, have this false idol. They have this cow they're worshiping, a cow. Let's imagine that. What are we worshiping? A cow. They're worshiping a golden cow. And so we can, we can see that throughout Israel's history, that they always say, God, we want to follow you, and then they go into sin. God, we want to follow you, and they go into sin. And that happens in our lives all the time. We say, God, I want to follow you, except when I'm hanging out with my girlfriend over here. God, I want to follow you, except, you know, when I'm at this party. God, I want to follow you, except in the area of forgiving my my parents. And we do that all the time. But there's something different about what these people are going through and the opportunity we have. And we'll get to that. And it's so exciting. And so we get to the law. We get to the old covenant. And first you have to ask yourself, what was the point? What was the point of changing the old covenant to the new covenant? What is the point of the new covenant? And to know that, we have to understand the old. And so before we start, I want to I give you a couple of reasons why the old covenant, the law, was good. Because I don't, I don't want you to think we're just here bashing the law, because the law was good. The law was not flawed. What was flawed was the people the law was dealing with. And so my first point is this. Why was the, what was good about the Old Covenant? Well, it reveals God's holiness and a standard by which we are to live. So what the law, what the Old Covenant does, it, it gives us this list of rules, and it says, follow these. These are my standards. This is my standard of holiness by which you are to live. And the problem is, of course, that they couldn't live it. But it's a good thing because we know, okay, God, this is how we want to live. This is the law. This is the standard by which we want to live. And here's the problem. Good illustration. I was, I was in high school. I played football. I know it's surprising to see. I hated every second of it. Um, but I played, nevertheless. It was a 1A six-man team. So, you know, you could just be like, I want to play football. And they'd let you play football. And my coach would be like, you have to meet this standard of 200 pounds in muscle. And I'm, you know, like a 130-pound kid like I Coach, I don't, I don't know if I'm, I'm going to hit that. And I couldn't get to it. I couldn't get to it. I could not hit that point. He was putting a standard which was good, but it was an impossible standard to make. I like to think of Nick Fury. Nick Fury. Yeah, that's right. Some of you know what I'm talking about. Some of you don't. If you don't, let me enlighten you for a little bit. Nick Fury is the leader of the S.H.I.E.L.D. initiative. That's right. Most all of us, I know we know what we're talking about. So he gets Iron Man, and he gets Thor, and he gets Captain America and the Hulk, and he gets them all together. And he's like, y'all are the most powerful. Y'all must defend the world. You must defend the earth. And I thought, what if Nick Fury had come to me? Well, we have a picture over here. As you can see, I don't, I don't know quite what my superpower would be, but, but that, that's me. I have my sword, so maybe that would help. But the problem here is, if you look at these three superheroes, and then me, if Nick Fury would come to ask me to pull that off, there's no way. It's a good standard. They protect our world, right? It's a good standard to have. We, it's fun to have them, but I will never meet that standard. I will never get to the point where I can be Captain America walk. Look at that smirk, or that, I don't know, that face. And he's serious. Thor has his hammer out, and he's like, I'm about to, you know, destroy Loki or whatever, and... That just, I, I don't think that would work out for me. It's an impossible standard to make. And so it's good that we see the law, and it's good that we see God's holiness within the law. It's good that we see the standard, but the problem is we can never hit that standard. Number two, what is good about the Old Covenant? It exposes the sinfulness of man and defines sin. Romans 7, verse 7, you don't have to turn that, I'll read it. 7, verse 7 through 8. What then shall we say? That the law is sin? By no means, yet if it had not been for the law, I would not have known sin. For I would not have known what is, what is to covet if the law had not said, you shall not covet. 
But sin, seizing an opportunity through the commandment, produced in me all kinds of covetousness. For apart from the law, sin lies dead. So the law was good in the terms of it, it defined sin. It showed you what sin is. We know anything we do that disobeys this law is sin. But the problem is we, we can't live up to that. The problem is we sin. The problem is we fail. We disobey the law. It's like the great example of this. There is a hotel called the Flagship Hotel in Galveston. And at this, this hotel, it's right by the bay. It's right by the ocean. And they didn't want people fishing off the top. And so what do they do? They put, they put a sign that said, no fishing. So what did people start doing? Well, they started fishing from the top. And so how did they fix the problem? They took down the sign. So though the law is good because it defines sin, it's by the law that we actually know what sin is. And so it's good that we see the standard of God's holiness. It's good that we know what sin is apart from the law. But the problem is we can't follow it. The problem is we can't, we can't live up to the standards. So what are the deficiencies? And I have three points on what are the deficiencies of the law. Point one, it's a shadow tabernacle. And we're going to talk about shadow. The next three points are all about shadow. And a good illustration of this, I was walking down the road. I was at a camp last week. And I was walking down the road. It was really dark. There were no stars out, nothing. And I heard this like, meow bark thing. Not, not too sure what, what it was. I want to tell you I didn't scream. I did, though. And someone behind me was like, you okay? And I was like, oh, yeah, totally. It was just a something. I don't know. I have no idea what it is. My best guess, it's, it's a fox, in which case I know what the fox says. And that is my, that is my best guess. But I don't know, because I just, saw, I just saw the shadow of it. I just heard the voice. But that, that's it. And so that's what, that's what this is like. The tabernacle, it was a good thing. They could see pieces of it. It was supposed to be a representation of where they worshipped. It was where God's spirit resided. Is where they would go to, to worship and tithe and say sacrifice and say, God, you, you are holy. But the problem is it was just a shadow. The Holy Spirit, it wasn't inside of them. It was, it was here. And so it was just a shadow of what's to come. Number two, inadequate sacrifices. So what would happen here is every time you would sin, you have to sacrifice. And so let's say we have Babe the lamb. Babe the lamb is our animal to sacrifice. I know Babe's a pig, but we're going to call him a lamb. So we have to, every time we sin, we have to sacrifice Babe the lamb. Cute little Babe the lamb has to die every time we sin. That's a lot of, a lot of animals that start dying after we sin. We sin more and more, sacrifice more Babe the lambs, sacrifice more Babe the lambs. And it kept going on and on and on. And so what's good about these sacrifices is they did, they did cover us for a little bit. They did cover the sin. But they can never wipe out the sin. They can never remove the sin. They can never turn it fully white. The sin would always come back. Always come back. It's like going to the dentist. So you go, you go to the dentist. The dentist, he says he's your friend and he loves you. And then he starts stabbing you and you feel betrayed and lied to. And that, that, that was my experience. I went two weeks ago. It was awful. The dentist started picking at my teeth, and he has one of two options at the end of that. He's either going to say, oh, okay, you have no cavities, or he's going to say, you have a cavity. You need to remove that right now. And so then you go back like a week later, and they stab you some more, and then they drill you. That's the worst. They start drilling you, and they remove this cavity, and they say, okay, you're, you're free to go, but watch yourself, because the cavity can always come back. You always have a chance to get the cavity. And that's like the law. The law can cover you for a little bit. It can remove it for a little bit. But it can always come back. You, your sin is never completely gone. You are never completely wiped clean. 
And at this point, these people, I imagine them thinking, man, if we only had a sacrifice that could make us righteous, if we could only have a sacrifice that could remove all the sacrifices, that could stop it, if only we had that. But they didn't. They had to keep making sacrifices over and over and over again because they were never made clean. They were never made fully righteous. They were atoned for for a short time. But that's all those sacrifices could do. They were never good enough. Point number three, finite priesthood. And so what that means is what they would do is they would go to the priest. The priests were the mediator between God and the people. The priests would make sacrifices for the people. The priests, one day a year on the Day of Atonement, would go into the Holies of Holies and make this ultimate sacrifice to cover the sins of all the people, the sins unnamed. And they would do this every year, and they would do this all the time, just making sacrifices, going to the priests. And the problem with this is that the priests had their own sacrifices to make. The priests were also people. The priests were also sinners. And so the priests would keep making sacrifices, keep making sacrifices. They would have to go every year to the Day of Atonement, and eventually they would die. And that was the priests. Eventually they would die, just like every other priest, because they're people. And so it was good for a while, because it was good to have that mediator. It was good to have your sins wiped for a little bit. But it wasn't enough. It still wasn't enough. And so something is lacking here. We need something here. Then something's not happening. Our sins aren't getting totally wiped off the earth. They're still here. We have to go to the priests so we can mediate between God. We need something. We need something, and something has to change. And it starts to become really legalistic. It starts to become a lot of works. And you know what? That's how people view Christianity today. Is a lot of works. And people look at the Old Testament and they see all the stuff they did. And they say, well, see here, your, your religion is works. You have to work. It's legalistic. You have to make sacrifices. Why don't you make sacrifices anymore? The Bible contradicts itself. And people will make these claims and they'll attack us because they don't understand what happened next. They don't understand what the difference between the new covenant and the old covenant is. They call us legalistic. And you can, I mean, you can look up videos from Bill Maher, Seth MacFarlane, and these people will attack Christianity and use these laws to say, oh, you, you didn't do that, or you didn't do that, because they don't understand. And it's important for us to understand what the difference is. It's important for us to understand what the new covenant does to make the old co- covenant obsolete, and to understand that we need to understand the stakes that were made through the old covenant. And so what happens? What do we do? It becomes something of a ritual. It's not even that we, we do these good things. They do these sacrifices, but they, they really don't want to. They don't have a desire to. It gets very habitual, and they keep doing it. They do it out of nothing but obedience, but that obedience does never, never sparks a desire to serve the Lord. Never. All the law does is can look you in the mirror and say, this is where you're wrong. This is where you're messed up. I feel like it's like going on a first date. You're going on a first date, and all you can see is the problems with your everything. My hair is too long. My hair is too short. My eyes are too wide. My ears are too big. My teeth are too yellow. My lips are too small or fat. I don't know. You just look at everything wrong with you. And then when you fix that thing that's wrong with you, you have to make sure to maintain it so it doesn't, doesn't backfire and not go wrong. You just have to make sure. I have a pimple on my face. No! You see, it keep working. At the first date, it doesn't, you, you just go and you're like, oh, there's just everything wrong with me. And that's like the law. We look at the law and we see there's so much wrong with me. And even when you remove it, you have to do something else because you just sinned in a different way. There has to be a solution here. 
There has to be someone to come and wipe out and make this Old Covenant obsolete. I'm spending a lot of time on the Old Covenant because it's so important to understand the Old Covenant to see the weight that the New Covenant has on us. So let's go back to Hebrews. Hebrews chapter 8, and we're going to start in verse 8. So here, the Hebrews author is going to quote Jeremiah. And Jeremiah is called the weeping prophet. He was, he was a prophet in the time of Josiah, who was a very good king. And Josiah, he rediscovers the law. He rediscovers the old covenant. And he says, oh no, we need, to, we need to do something. We need the people to act on this. And the people aren't acting on it. They're just getting worse. And Josiah is stressing out because he's saying, y'all need to do this. And the people are saying, we don't want to do this. And Jeremiah is saying, just stop. Just stop. I know you're trying, but, but it's going to fail. You're going to fail but something else is coming, something to take the place. And that's where we're at in chapter 8, because the Hebrews author is going to tell the audience, no, the new covenant is so much better. What we're being offered is so much better. Don't go back to the old covenant. Don't go back to the ways that you knew, because there's something better. So let's start in verse 8. For he finds fault with them when he says, Behold, the days are coming, declares the Lord, when I will establish a new covenant with the house of Israel and with the house of Judah, not like the covenant that I made with their fathers on the day when I took them by the hand to bring them out of the land of Egypt, for they did not continue in that covenant, and so I show no concern for them, declares the Lord. For this is the covenant that I will make with the house of Israel after those days, declares the Lord. I will put my laws into their minds, and I will write them on their hearts, and I will be their God, and they shall be my people. And they shall not teach each one his neighbor and each one his brother, saying, Know the Lord, for they shall all know me, from the least of them to the greatest, for I will be merciful towards their iniquities, and I will remember their sins no more. And speaking of the new covenant, he makes the first one obsolete, and what is becoming obsolete and growing old is ready to vanish away. So I feel like we all try to identify with something. You have Americans, and we're all like, America! Yeah, 4th of July, hot dog eating contest, America! Woo! And we're Americans, and we do American things, but then it gets more specific. You have Texan Americans. And we're like, Texas! Guns! Yeah! Texan! State! But it doesn't stop there. We get even more specific, and you have Aggie Texan Americans. That's right. That's right. <laughs> and we're like, we're like the biggest identifiers of all. We're like, Aggie! Texan America! Yeah! Guns! Boom! 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 Whoop! Steak! I wear everything, you know? We, we have the whole package. We did it, guys! We did it! Congratulations to Aggie Texan Americans. If you're an Aggie non-Texan, I welcome you too, and I think you're awesome from whatever state you're at, though it's sad you're not a Texan. But I welcome you. We identify with something. It's great. And so I love this. I love this passage because my favorite, one of my favorite verses in the entire Bible is right here, and he says, I will be their God, and they will be my people. I love that. You know why? Because he's saying... You, you identify with me. You belong to me. And this is like the theme of, of the Bible, the new covenant, that we, we are your people. You are our God. We belong to you. We are yours. And it's so encouraging because we try to find our identity in so many worthless things. And here he's saying, you, you belong to me. I am your God. I am your king. And that's what this new covenant offers us. It offers, that's the big, broad statement of the new covenant. That's what I love about this so much, is that people had to keep sacrificing to earn their favor of God. And here we're about to find out that we don't have to do that anymore. Because we are his people. 
He is our God. He is our God. So I have three points. This is going to be my application points. Um, Three points of why the new covenant is better than the old covenant. Point number one, Jesus is a better priest. So like I said, the priests, they would go into the temple. They would make sacrifices once a year, big sacrifices to atone for the people. And the sin was never really wiped away. It was just atoned for for a little bit. And here, Jesus is saying, hey, we... We are the Hebrews author, sorry. The Hebrews author say, hey, we don't need that anymore. We don't need priests anymore. We have a better high priest. We don't have to mediate between an earthly person. We don't have to confess our sins to an earthly person anymore. We have Jesus for that. He is the one who mediates between us and God. You don't need to go to a priest anymore. You know why we say in the name of Jesus? It's because it's through Jesus that we are talking, praying, to God. We don't need that priest anymore. And I love this line. Like I said, all priests died. All of them died. They were all humans. But you see it right here in chapter 8. He said, he is seated at the right hand of the throne of majesty in heaven. They would go into the temple. They would go into the holies of holies once a year and walk out. But Jesus is saying, hey, I'm here for good. I'm not walking out. I'm not dying. I'm not going anywhere. I am here for good. And so we don't need to go through anyone anymore. We just need to go through Jesus. We just need to have faith in Jesus. We don't need the priests. Number two, Jesus is a better sacrifice. And so all those people making sacrifices, all people sacrificing cute little babe the lamb, doesn't need to be done anymore. It's over. Those sacrifices that they need to make to atone just to cover our sin for a little bit, those are no more Because Jesus has made the ultimate sacrifice. He spilt his blood. And because of that, because of his sacrifice, because of the blood that was shed, we no longer have to make sacrifices. We no longer have to try to earn the favor of God. All we need to do is have faith in Jesus. He was the ultimate sacrifice. Stop trying to earn the favor of God and just cling to Jesus. You want God's favor? It's through Jesus that we get it. And so many of us sometimes, I feel like we're all in sin at one point in our life and we feel like, we're like, man, I just can't come before God until I get out of this sin. And we're saying no to the one who's saying, come to me in your sin. I think a great example is I had a buddy who just got married a couple weeks ago. Um, And the day after his wedding, on his honeymoon, his wife broke her leg. And so they're not enjoying their honeymoon. They're doing nothing. They're spending their honeymoon in the hospital. So what did the husband do? He didn't just say, all right, I'm going to go on the cruise. We'll see you. Have fun. Heal yourself. He didn't say, why can't you walk? I'm walking. Come on. Get up. He didn't leave her. You know what he did? He stood by her. He slept right next to her every night as she was healing. And he just showed love to her. And he says, I am with you until you are healed and back together. And he was cute. He would post pictures on Facebook of them. And she'd be in bed like all in pain. And he'd be like, I love my wife. And it was really sweet. And it was great. And you could tell he just loved her. And he was there in her brokenness. He was there in her brokenness. And that's that's like Jesus. So many of us feel like we have to get unbroken before we come to him. When he's saying, hey, I'm with you in your brokenness. Some of us have sins that we're struggling with right now that we're so deep in and we feel like we have to claw our way out when Jesus is right there saying, I'm with you through that. I'm with you through that. Some of us feel like we can't feel close or pray to God because we're so deep in our sin and he's saying, hey, I've made the ultimate sacrifice. You don't have to work anymore. 
You don't have to make sacrifices. You don't have to do things anymore to earn my love. I love you anyways. I love you. And so stop trying to earn the favor of God. Stop trying to claw your way out of sin. There's no point because Jesus already made that sacrifice. There's no point. What you do is you go to Jesus and you say, God, I am sinful. And you just let him walk with you through that sin because he will take you as you are because he loves you. Because we are called the bride of Christ and he is a loving bride. Pull to Jesus. He's made the sacrifice. Lastly, the indwelling Holy Spirit. So what does the new covenant offer us? It offers us the spirit of God inside of us. Something that they didn't have in the Old Testament that we have is we have the Spirit of God residing inside of us. You know why we don't need the law anymore? It's because the Holy, we have the Holy Spirit. So I was at a camp two weeks ago, and there was this little boy who, who was just so angry, and he got kicked out of his cabin twice. He had to get moved to do two different caverns, and he was about to be sent home, and he was so mad at this other boy, and he goes walking to him. And he's, he's going to be violent to him. And his counselor runs at him and he grabs him and he holds him. And he says, stop, listen to someone who loves you. Listen to someone who loves you. And that's like the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit, when we're in sin, he's saying, listen to me. Listen to someone who loves you. Listen to someone who loves you. And some of us, we are deep, deep into sin. And we, it's not that we can't get out. It's that we just choose not to. Some of us are in relationships that are unhealthy and the Holy Spirit is saying, get out. Listen to someone who loves you. Listen to someone who loves you. Some of us have unforgiveness towards our parents and we're angry and we can't seem to forgive them and the Holy Spirit is here saying, listen to me. I love you. Some of us are deep into pornography and the Holy Spirit is saying, it's poison. It's going to hurt you. Listen to me. I love you. And some of us are dealing with pride and we're so angry prideful, and the Spirit is there saying, listen to me. I love you. The Holy Spirit is our guide, and you know what? He starts to make us more and more like Christ. The Holy Spirit changes us. You know that song, Inside Out, from the inside out? You know, you know what I'm talking about. It's, that's what happens. He starts to change us from the inside out. He starts to make us more like Christ, and we have something that the Old Testament, the people with the Old Covenant, never had. They could never get to the point where they just wanted to follow the laws. The Holy Spirit changes us, and even the things that we don't want to follow and sound, sound habitual, we start to change our hearts, and he makes it towards we actually want to. He changes us and makes us actually want to follow and live for him. Things I struggled with years ago uh, aren't things I struggle with now. I have other struggles, but there are things that I don't deal with anymore, and it's by the Holy Spirit that that's possible. There are things we all struggle with, and the Holy Spirit is there to say, Pull out. Pull out. Let me love you. He loves you. And so listen to him. My challenge this morning to you is, are you listening to the Holy Spirit? Are there things in your life that you're holding on to? And the Holy Spirit is here saying, saying, get out. Listen to someone who loves you. Tristan and Christine are going to come up, and they're going to, they're going to sing two more songs. And as they're, as they're singing, um, I want you to reflect I want you to reflect on, on God's holiness and, and the standard by which he is. And I want you to know that you are loved and you can come there clean and righteous through Jesus Christ. And so the things that you're dealing with, the sins that you're dealing with, listen to the Holy Spirit because he loves you. Stop trying to earn the favor of God. 
because he has already made it possible to have his favor through Jesus Christ. The Holy Spirit is speaking. So my question to you is, will you listen? Let's pray. God, we, we praise you so much for who you are, Lord. God, we, we thank you that you have sent Jesus down to die for us a painful death to be the last sacrifice and then he rose from the grave so we can experience eternal life. So God, I, I ask for those in here who don't, don't even know you, Lord. Father, I, I ask that you would be moving in their hearts right now that they, they can't help but, but know you to call upon your name, Lord. And Lord, I, I lift up the ones who are so deep in sin and feel trapped. God, I pray that they would feel comforted knowing that they are loved by the King, that the Holy Spirit is dwelling inside of them. And any conversation they need to have with someone, I pray that they would, they would admit their sins, God. I pray that they, through the Holy Spirit, would get out. And God, I pray that they would um, just know that you are so good. God, thank you for your Holy Spirit. Thank you for who you are. It's in your Son's precious and holy name, by which we are only saved through Jesus. Amen. As we go into worship, if you need to pray, pray. Um, pray for the things you're struggling or dealing with. Um, but, you know, if, if right now your life is looking good and you see God so evident in it, then and I say worship him. We have no reason not to worship him. Let's praise him. Jesus, I thank you that you have promised us that and that you have You've shown us that countless times, Lord, that you are always by our side. And that, uh, Lord, you are stronger than anything that comes against us. And, um, Lord, I'm glad that you did make this new covenant with us. That you have given us your spirit and you have died for us once and for all so that we could be made righteous, we could be brought back to you. So, Jesus, I just pray that we can remember that as we go out from here and that um, it would affect our lives and that we wouldn't just continue living the way we have been. But, Lord, that it would force us and, and push us into a better relationship with you and a closer relationship with you and one that is actually biblically sound and right that, um, that we know where we stand before you. So Jesus, call us into time with you and into your word and into your presence this week. And um, Lord, just change our hearts, affect us. We need, we need you with us. We love you, Lord, in your name. Amen.